Okay, guys. So we've all been stuck in that workout class where the music is just not hitting. And as a DJ, it is my civic duty to put you guys onto fabulous workouts with great music. So I love to break the news that Y7 Studio have just launched the new digital at-home platform in an exclusive partnership with Universal Music Group. And you know what that means. We can say goodbye to royalty-free loops on repeat. Thank God for that. With the best workouts set to all of our favorite songs, you can find this new offering at y7-studio.com. Unhinged customers get 25% off your first three months of this new monthly digital subscription. You can use the word unhinged, one word, at their website. The link is also in our episode bio down below. $15 a month, guys. That's the cost of too much lattes these days. It's a steal. Fabulous teachers, hundreds of new classes added each month. What the bloody hell are you waiting for? What's up, guys? We're back with another episode with the very glamorous Nikki DeRose. Celebrity glam to the stars. You may know her as the hands behind some of the most iconic, beautiful faces. Bahati Prinsloe, Kaya Gerber, Taylor Page, who I just met recently. Kate Bosworth, Addison Ray. the list goes on. If you have good taste, chances are you've saved one of her iconic looks on Instagram. Welcome to the show, Nikki. Hello. I can't believe we're finally doing this. This is so fun. I know. It's because you're a very busy girl and I'm a very busy girl. and We have not been yeah. able to make this happen, but here we are. Here we are. Oh, my God. How are you? What's, what's new in your life? You've just gotten a, a new furry child. Yes, I have a new furry daughter. So now I'm a mother of two um, little kittens. And that is all consuming. I don't know how anyone has actual breathing children because animals I'll let you know in a few weeks. (laughs) Yes, please, please. I mean, from naming her to like sleeping at night to actually getting anything done, I just want to cuddle with her all day long. She's actually right here. I'm going to show you really quick. She can't be too far from me. No, never. And what's the like power dynamic between her and Penny? Um, she's like a little bit spicier and definitely like the second child vibe, but, um, yeah. Yeah. I I get why you're like, I'm busy and unavailable and not, not leaving the house. She's, well, now I get it when people say like, oh, when they're newborns, like you just want to be around your baby all the time. Cause literally I just want to lay on the couch and cuddle. So if this is like a little smidgen of what it feels like to have a real like child, I think I could definitely do it. We I'll let see. you know. I'll let you know. I think it's like that, but with just like incessant crying. But <laughs> I'll see you very soon. I was really excited to have you on the show, actually, because I feel like there's so much of you people don't see online. And that's yes. just because I'm lucky to know you as a person like you're obviously this fabulous, glamorous, like beauty queen. But mm-hmm. then there's this other side of you where you're like dirt bike riding and like skiing. And you're from Salt Lake City. Am I right? I was born in Salt Lake, but I grew up in Seattle, kind of in like a suburb farm town kind of vibe. And it's like, yeah. I know you as this like glamorous LA, like beauty maven. So it's I'm excited to share your story. I want to start at the very, very beginning. Ooh, okay. Let's yeah. Do it. What was it like growing up in? So you were born in Salt Lake. You grew up in Seattle. Yeah, I, I my family moved to Seattle when I was five for my father's job, and so like all of my school years were in Washington, and then um, moved back to Utah when I was eighteen. So I feel like half my life has been in Utah, and the other half was in Washington State. So, what is what's the energy of that? Um, it's I mean, all of it was like really cute suburb kind of vibe, um, you know, where you could like ride your bike to school, walk to school, really, you know, you know, everyone in your neighborhood, which was really great. Um, my mom, when I was born, we lived in Utah and she actually was a hairdresser. So we had a salon in our basement. And 
So from the time that I was literally a baby, I would be sitting on her client's lap while she was doing perms in their hair because it was the 80s. Really? Um, looking back, I'm like, maybe the chemicals probably weren't great for me that <laughs> young, but like I'm here to tell the tell. So um, I've always kind of been around beauty um, from the time that I was born. And like I was the kid that had their ears pierced at like from the time I, I don't even know, maybe like three months from old. Yeah. Yes. Yes. My mom so was those- really paranoid about people thinking that I was a boy, which probably is why. <laughs> Now I always want to feel feminine because like, that's just kind of like part of my, I don't know. I don't know why I like to feel feminine. I just do. So So. there was kind of no other like career path or sort of like interest really that you were potentially considering. No, it's really interesting because people always ask that, like, how did you, like, when did you know, or what, how did you decide? And it wasn't even a question for me. It was just something Mm -hmm. I was cutting my friend's hair at like age 11. I I would just watch my mom. It's not like I really knew what I was doing, but I just kind of like just pretended. And then, you know, in school, I was never an athlete, but I loved being around athletes. So I was always the team manager. Um, And then I would like- (laughs) Queen of delegating. Yes. And I would always like French braid all the volleyball girl, like players, before their matches or I would like do their glam so I was like always doing it without really realizing that that would actually be my path forever so yeah it just it just was always what I was going to do and like growing up in a place like that do you feel like the level of success you have now is that something in that was even like a possibility in your mind were you like I'm moving to LA I'm going to do this I'm going to do that or No, I mean, I grew up like in a really, um, like great family. Like I have an amazing family. I grew up Mormon. So really, um, just, I guess, pretty wholesome and conservative. Um, Mm -hmm. but I will say that my dad especially has always been the type that it was like, whatever I want to do, I could do. And so I always had that confidence in me, even from being very young, like, I would run for class president and he'd be like, okay, what's the goal? Let's do it. Like I had that voice encouraging me. And I really think that that has been a huge part of my success is just having a support Mm -hmm. system like that um, and having great communication and and kind of belief from my parents. Um, And I just laugh because I think that, you know, growing up, like we were very crafty like my mom um, worked at a craft store and so it was actually my first job too was at a craft store and so I always laugh because I think that Mormons are like really crafty like Jen Atkin grew up Mormon as well and like look Mm -hmm. at her Um, and I think it's just something that we I grew up scrapbooking I grew up making things so it was just kind of like that that part of me I, I definitely think comes from being Mormon as funny as that is What's the like foundational principles of being of Mormonism for those who maybe not um, familiar? Okay, so this is going to be a little bit hard to really give um, doctrine answers because I left the church when I was twenty two or twenty three. So that's like a long time ago. Yeah. That's yeah. So and what do you I mean? Never, it was like four or five years ago. Yeah, I'm like, that was like last <laughs> year actually. Um, So I just always laugh because years after I left the church, I watched the South Park episode about Mormons. And I was like, oh, that's actually like very accurate and in a 30 minute cartoon form. Mm -hmm. So if you're ever really curious, that's the way to go. But I'll link it in the episode description. But definitely like Mormons are Christians. um, So it's a lot of the similar um, values of what you get from Christianity. They believe in Christ and the resurrection Um, But there is a separate book um, that Joseph Smith wrote called the Book of Mormon. And, um, you know, I couldn't really tell you a lot about the doctrine part, but I could tell you a lot about the community. And that's something that I think is really cool about Mormonism is, is you have this built in culture and community of people where, you know, if we were moving house, we would have like. 20 to 30 people show up to our house on a Saturday to help us move or 
if someone in your family got in a car accident or had surgery, you'd have meals delivered at your house for the next like two weeks. Um, so there was always that part that I thought was really special about the church. Um, there was always someone there for you. Um, and yeah, I think it would be most similar probably to like the Jewish type um, culture that, that we're familiar with in LA. But you did leave the community. Yeah, yeah. So I was, um, the thing about Mormonism is like very much like marriage is super common and especially from a really young age. And so when I graduated high school, I went to a biz, like an LDS business school, which was like a Mormon business school in Utah. And I was always a little different, but I was just, I, it was all I knew. So I was just kind of going with the flow of things. And I met a guy at an 80s um, nightclub and he was cool. He was like, this was like back in 2004, probably 2003, 2004. So he was like wearing like tight seven jeans and skate shoes. And he had like that, like kind of emo haircut. And I was like, oh, this guy's cool. And then I found out he was Mormon. And I was like, this is like, the coolest version of Mormon that I'll probably ever find. And, and he was a sweetheart too. Like he was a good mm -hmm. guy, but he was literally 20 and I was, no, he would have been 19 and I was 20. I was a year older than him. So we started dating um, and we got married when I was 20, 21. Um, and we were married for three years. And through that time, I think I did a lot of growing up with, in my career and me as a person and it was kind of just one of those moments where I was like I'm not really being myself because I'd see my parents and they'd be like how is church and I'd be like oh it was so great blah 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 and I wasn't living I wasn't living um the Mormon lifestyle I guess like not even meaning I was like partying or doing I just wasn't I wasn't into church it wasn't for me and so it was kind of one of those moments that I had with him where I was like, listen, I don't want to be a part of the church. And I feel like this is a definite lifestyle choice where it's hard to have a couple where one is and one isn't, especially if you have children and, you know, it's mm -hmm. such a big part of your life. And, you know, I could tell that he was a little unsure about what he wanted to do, but ultimately um, at that time, we decided to get divorced and I left the church. He stayed in the church. So looking back, I mean, I was 23 and that was like pretty intense. Like you don't, baby. yeah, you don't really realize, but it was two like major life things that happened at the same time, you know, and it was a lot of conversations with my parents and, you know, kind of, I think the biggest thing for them was just understanding. And I think, you know, I look at it as like, if I'm eating the most delicious piece of cake, and I'm like, Amrit, have some of this cake. And you're like, no, I don't, I don't want to try it, or I don't want it. And you're like, I'm, it's like, why wouldn't you want to have it? Like, I had to mm -hmm. explain to my parents, like, it's not for me. Um, and I understand that that would be really difficult for you guys to understand. But it doesn't mean that I'm changing as a person, because I'm, I'm not Mormon, you know, and so yeah. And did, did they, it. like, after that initial conversation, what's the process of like, leaving the church? So I guess there's not a, well, we were married, we had a temple marriage. So I was um, basically in, in the religion, like you have a temple ceremony and you have a civil ceremony. And so for me, I was just like, I don't really believe in this church. So I don't believe that like after I pass that I'm going to be like sucked back in heaven and taken to the guy that I was married to. As weird as that sounds. But they rename, like you get a new like name and identity and all this type of stuff, right? Yeah, which is, yes. And I, I went through the temple. I wore the garments that you wear like under your clothes. Um, and I got a name, but I, to be honest, I cannot tell you what my name, I can't even remember. It's such a blur now because it was so long ago. Mm -hmm. I remember I was like pretty immature when I went, like I was laughing kind of the whole time because I think you're just, it's something that you're not used to seeing. And so when you see it, you're just kind of, gig it's like 
someone doing something funny at school that you just giggle about because you're like, you don't get it, you know? And so, um, but yeah, it's all kind of a blur for me. And I definitely have no regret, no trauma, no nothing from it. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just, yeah, it just wasn't my path. And I think after the fact, um, my relationship with my parents got even better and even stronger. And I think that that was the coolest lesson that I took from that is that I was able to have so much more open and honest conversations with my parents because I was fully being like who I was, you know, down to like explaining to them about alcohol and being like, being able to have a glass of wine in front of them or whatever it is. And them also seeing that, you know, I'm not like out on the streets being crazy, you know, getting into trouble. Um, so yeah, I'm really lucky though, because I know that that's not the case for everybody that, you know, leaves a religion or maybe has a different, um, you know, identifies as something different than the way that they were raised. But, um, I think at the end of the day, my parents always were like, well, you know, the religion is about leading with love and being Christ-like. And so we're going to love you regardless. So yeah, that's actually really nice to hear. Cause I think when it comes to religions that are sort of shrouded in like maybe the unknown or secrecy or like not people that aren't that familiar with it, there's so much like misconstrued information or like perception in the media. And so it's nice to have like actually a positive story where you're like, this is the foundation of the religion and they continue to accept me. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's what Christ would do. Yeah. That's like, it's about love, you know? So, but I definitely, my poor parents, like I've definitely, my twenties were crazy. I've definitely given them a ride for sure. Um, (laughs) So they've, you know, moved me in conservative world. (laughs) Yeah. Because after that, it was like, okay then I start dating again and the next guy I was with was like the complete opposite of the first guy so he was like Greek and he was atheist and he was really controlling and you know we we worked together at the I was a hairdresser before I was doing makeup so like we worked together at the same salon and um, and this is in Utah right yeah this is in Utah so I did what every girl does after they, you know, they break up from what they think is going to be their forever love. And then they go the complete opposite. Like you can't like just go straight to something balanced in the middle. Mm -hmm. So I went to the complete opposite. And, you know, my parents, at the end of the day, they just wanted me to be happy. So they supported me, even though that wouldn't have been the choice that they would have for me. Um, So they moved me in with him. And we dated and we ended up also getting married. Oh my God, the tea. I, I didn't even know this was your friend. So this is incredible. Yeah. And so, yeah. So I uh, did it again. Um, and let's see, I was probably like, and to, <laughs> to be fair, we did date, I want to say like three years. So it's not like it was like a really fast, and furious like we we dated for a while um and but I definitely had more than just um like a relationship wrapped up with him we we worked at the same work and like this sounds really lame but this is Utah is like I mean if you've seen the real housewives of Salt Lake City like it's pretty accurate but really okay I was gonna ask you that because it's definitely having its moment right now yeah yeah so okay his sister is on The Real Housewives, my ex. No, who? Can we name and shame or no? Um, Angie K, the Greek. No. Yeah, so. <laughs> so is there anything you, you know, speaking of like how things are portrayed in the media, is there anything you watch where you're like, that's just not, like, that's not how it is? Or is there anything where you're like, that's dead on? I mean, I think there's a lot of misconception around Mormonism when it comes to people just assume that polygamy is Mormonism. It was in the 1800s, but it's not in 2023. So like a lot of those shows that you see, like, which I enjoy watching, like Sister Mm -hmm. Wives and all of that, like, that's not, that's not real. 
Okay. Um, as far as Real Housewives go in Salt Lake, I mean, it's it's accurate. It's very wow, accurate. Okay. Yeah, that's very accurate. Um, Unhinged. <laughs> yeah. So, but to be fair about this guy, we were only married for three months. So okay. we had the big to do. We had the big wedding. We did the whole bit. And even to be to be honest, like the night of our wedding night, like I was like, what did I do? I had I had questioned it like six months before we actually went through with the ceremony and was took off my ring. I remember making like a pros and a cons list and and telling him like I don't think I wanted to do it. And he was like he was upset and crying and was like, Oh, you just have cold feet, like you're stressed about the planning of the wedding. And I was like, Oh yeah, you're probably right. I'm just stressed, like it's gonna get better. And so we went through with it. And then even the night of the wedding, I was like, what did I do? And I was really wow. afraid to leave him because of the fact I had already been through it the first time. I had already put my parents through all of it. My friends, you know, like it was a lot. Yeah. And then I remember going to my mom and dad to tell them. And I sat down and I was like, I, I need to talk to you about something. And my mom was really scared because she thought I was going to say I was pregnant. And I was like, no, I'm not pregnant. I was like, I'm getting divorced. And she just looked at me and she was like, I'm so proud of you. And I was like, not expecting that. And okay, your parents just, are amazing, firstly. Yeah, I'm really lucky. And she was just like, I know how hard it must be, you know, like to go against the grain or to make a choice mm -hmm. that isn't like a popular choice. But she was like, I'm really proud of you. And, and after I got that from her, I was like, Oh, I can do anything. Like I've got this. Um, yeah. So yeah, I knocked two marriages out by the time that I was 26. And you obviously really believed in love and marriage because you were like, that was your end goal and something you yeah. were trying to do. Yeah, so I was, not something I, you were like taking lightly. No, I definitely, definitely did. But I do think that there was a big part of me that just wasn't actually using my, I don't want to say not using my brain, but I definitely wasn't critical thinking for myself. I was just thinking the way that culture thinks or the way that people kind of think that you should do things like you know, it's like, oh, well, you're this age, so you should do this, or you guys have been together for this long, so you should get married, you know, like, it wasn't really me making, I made the choice, but it wasn't like, it wasn't conscious me, I would say. Yeah. So, and I, I definitely have absolutely no regrets. Like, I'm really glad that I experienced all of that. Um, I think that I definitely felt a lot of shame for a long time around it like it was something that I never really talked about or shared unless I was like having a conversation but the older I've gotten I've also kind of just been like you know what like that's a part of me and it's a part of my story and if anything if I can be you know someone to make someone else feel braver you know if they are in an unhappy relationship I just make a joke with my friends now though I'm like don't come to me if like it's like one foot in and one on a banana peel or like if you're <laughs> unhappy because I'll be the first one to tell you to leave yeah. um just because I just feel like there's so much life to live and if mm -hmm. you're not happy or it's not serving you what are what are you doing it for you know and then it feels like the universe rewarded you because then it's like your career took off right yeah, I, I moved to, um, that's kind of was the final catalyst to get me to move to LA. So I moved to LA um, 11 or 12 years ago. And I had a really good career in Utah. So I basically, you know, at the age of 27, 28 was starting all over again. Mm -hmm. um, didn't know anyone had a little apartment over in Koreatown. And, but it, it did take that vulnerability of, of hardships I think to just be like let's let's go and let's do it you know so yeah it, it's been an interesting journey but definitely gave me the opportunity to really focus on myself and that was one thing too in my previous relationship he had told me like we'll never move from Utah and that in itself I was like I can't be with this guy because like I felt like I had so much more to give in life beyond 
Salt Lake City yeah. that I was just like, uh, okay, well, that's it then. Cause like, I, I don't know what I want to do. Like mm-hmm. I'm an Aries, I'm very impulsive. And I, I go from like gut and intuition and that just felt like too much of a cage around me. So, and you're like, I know, I don't know what I want to do, but I know it's not this. Yeah. Well, and that was the thing too, is I would flip, I would look at magazines and I would look at the covers and I, I was like, I could do that. I, I can do that. So I need to live in Los Angeles or New York and I need to figure it out. And so it's kind of funny now because I think you take it for granted too, being in mm-hmm. my world where, or it's like the never enough, you know, like, oh, I haven't done this magazine or that magazine and it's like no but you you did what you said you were going to do in your 20s and and now you are you know doing makeup for covers of magazines which is really cool yeah so what was your you you moved to LA and you're like starting from scratch again and what's like the kind of breaking you know the breaking point that you have that like kind of gets you in or what was that process like Well, I mean, when I first started, I was just saying yes to any job that I could take. And a lot of them back then were like Capri Sun commercials or, (laughs) you know, just like really random one-offs, you know, it wasn't like I went straight into beauty or fashion. Um, And this is pre-social media, right? It was like around the the beginning. It was right around the time that social was just like starting to to be a thing. Um, And so... I would say for the first couple of years, I really struggled. You know, I was doing jobs that were fine, but nothing that made me feel like I was living out my dreams. Um, and it actually, I, I think I've had a couple maybe moments of like something changed. And it, one was meeting um, Chiara Ferragni. And she's, you know, the Italian um, superstar Mm-hmm. Uh, and back then she was a blogger called the blonde salad and oh, I remember yeah and so and one of the I, first like OG influencers really she was yeah. And, yeah and I remember back then I did her makeup for a Superga campaign and she tagged me in a photo she had at the time had maybe half a million followers which is crazy because she has like 30 million or 40 million now I don't even know and my, all of a sudden, like my phone was like, like all I, mm-hmm. I started getting all these new followers and I was so confused because like, I was the person on Instagram that was like taking photos of like my lunch. I don't know. It was like, <laughs> you know, it was like yeah. nothing compelling. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. And so she was, her and I became friends very quickly. And, and she had told me that summer, like, I had never been out of the U.S. I was 28, 29. I never left the U.S. And she was like, why don't you come to Italy and like on holiday and come and visit me? And so I was like, oh, you know, like my boyfriend at the time was like, he was 12 years older than me. And he was like, you absolutely need to go. And so I went on this trip. I knew nothing. I, you know, it was like definitely an American in Europe situation where like my phone didn't work I was like trying to figure out how to take a train like all of it and we ended up having a really incredible couple weeks to the point where I broke up with my boyfriend while I was on that trip and (laughs) um, ended up meeting someone that invited me to move to Italy and (laughs) and I ended up um, three or four months later packing everything up I had in LA, shipping six boxes. And I thought that my new life was going to be in Italy. And oh my I, God, Nikki, and the yeah. things that I'm learning about you, my mind is blown. Yeah. So, and that was crazy too, because the woman that I met, her name's Condella Novembre. And well, at the time it was Novembre. Um, it's not anymore. She's divorced, but um, she is like my angel. Like she's my special like soul sister that I met on a photo shoot, she was like, what do you think of Italy? Would you ever live here? And I was like, yeah, but I like need to know somebody. I can't just like mm-hmm. show up. And she's like, well, my, my husband's an architect. We have a guest house in our villa. Like you should come and live with us. And I had met her in, for like 20 minutes. And I was like, I was like, oh, she's just being nice. And then the yeah. night before I was meant to move back or come back to LA, she called me 
we had a drink and she was like, when can you get here? And I was like, okay, well, I guess it's happening. So that was a big moment in my career because they were all fashion bloggers. And a lot of the Italian bloggers were like the first to start doing everything. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, so these girls are taking what they do and making a business and a career out of it. And so I need to start looking at my social media more as a business and teaching um, makeup and beauty and hair. And so that's kind of like where I got my crash course on um, using social media as a business. Were you learning from truly the best in the game? Yeah, but it was insane back then because it was like, okay, we post three times a day, like 9 a.m., noon, 9 p.m. Like it was like, I was Mm -hmm. like trying to figure out how to be on YouTube and like how to make a blog and the whole bit. And so that was like my six months, like eat, pray, love in Italy, trying to just figure out who I was and what my voice was. Um, And it was life changing because it was the first time that I like really went out on a limb and, you know, tried something completely different. So So how how did you end up back in the States? Uh, I didn't have a visa because I just thought I could like live in Europe and no one would care. (laughs) And I, I wasn't, I just, I wasn't thinking, so I didn't have a visa. And, you know, I realized in being there that it was like the most incredible place to be, but if like, I'm American and to do business and to really kind of have a life and a lifestyle that I want, Italy will forever be my holiday but business and like my life belongs here um and I wasn't done with Hollywood either like there was a big part of me that just like hadn't really gone there and so when I moved back to um LA I was like 30 I had a couple thousand dollars to my name I was living in my friend's garage and just had to start over all over again like just reaching out to anybody I knew being like hey I'm in LA let me do your makeup it'd be like $200 here $500 here I would like count it up to try to make rent and then you know you just keep month by month week by week like trying to build it and say yes to everything that you can because you never know what opportunity is going to like be the next thing for you Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's been it's been quite a roller coaster to kind of build and I feel like even today I still think a lot of days that I'm I haven't made it yet even though I've had it's just I don't know if that's like if you feel that way too like I think that's the quality of a successful person though and like that's the common thread with a lot of successful creative entrepreneurs like who I've had conversations with because it's like one that like ability to humble yourself and start from the beginning again most people are too scared to even do that right like it's so much easier to be like big fish small pond so like leaving all these places that you've like achieved success in and then starting from scratch and like relearning and just pivoting to like whatever the market's looking for it's like that's why you always feel like that but like the fact that you think about it is a true sign that yeah that's a great way of putting it yeah that's a great way of putting it because I think you're just always reaching and trying and you know dreaming and but yeah it can also make you mental sometimes too because you're just like you get that real like entrepreneur angst or artist angst you know where you're like ah Well, like we're in an industry that's constantly evolving. So all this stuff that's like adjacent to it, like scarcity mindset as a freelancer, right? Like not knowing when my next check's going to come or not like having this, you know, niggling like fear in the back of my mind that like, will I be irrelevant if I turn down three months of work because I'm, you know, like want to prioritize like sleep training my baby. It's like, it's only, it would be unnatural to not think about that. Yeah. Because and nothing's I, a given in what yeah. we do. And this was a really great lesson that I learned once from a business coach. And it's the it's like the analogy of a spider. So he's like, think about a spider. And they spend days, weeks, months, like creating this beautiful web. So they create this beautiful web. And then they literally just sit there and wait. 
because they know that a fly is going to come and a fly is going to get caught in their web. And he's like, they don't know when it's coming, but they just sit back and they know it's going to happen. And then when it happens, obviously, like it, they eat it, they break down the web and they do it all over again. And that has been really helpful for me. Just, you know, in those days that I get really in, in my own head, it's like every day I'm doing something to build my web. And even though I might not see it today, mm-hmm. I just believe that it's, it's creating itself and it's going to happen. Um, but it definitely takes a lot of mental discipline to kind of come back to that space. Um, and a lot of, you know, like living without fear, living in abundance, you know, manifesting, I think is really, it really works. And it's, it's scary to me sometimes. And I have to control even what I think about, because I think if I've been able to powerfully manifest the good things, all the Mm -hmm. bad things I think about also could come to life. And so like, I have to really focus because our brains are powerful. They're so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. They really are. And like, do you, so you've, Actually, how I, one of my first introductions, I obviously knew who you were. We have a really good mutual friend. I was mm-hmm. a fan of your work. And then she gifted me this collaboration lip gloss that you did. Oh, and yeah. I was obsessed with it. I have, yes. I had it till the very, very end until it ran out. It ran out. Yes. Yeah. And I remember when I met you, I was like, I love your lip gloss. <laughs> and you were like, okay, mm-hmm. freak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, is that something you've like considered like product offering and like especially in this like day and age of like every every person under the sun having a brand beauty brand like what is that something you've considered well yeah and maybe you don't know this about me either but I actually I had a brand in 2000 I think we launched 2019 um called Rowan um oh wow I didn't know that yeah and so I I that was always a dream of mine um, to innovate these eyeshadows, and so I launched that in 2019, and that was really cool because that was coming all from just the rawness of not knowing anything, right? Like just you know, like having a dream, finding a lab. You know, I said yes to the first people that wanted to invest in me, mm-hmm. and you know, had a really basic lawyer from Utah. Um, but what was cool is I launched it direct to consumer. I had no plan. And within three weeks of launching, I had Sephora and Ulta both reaching out and wanted to carry. And it was like, whoa, okay. People are like paying attention or I did something that, you know, was notable that, you know, people wanted to be a part of it. And so that was kind of my business baptism by fire. And I, it was really, really incredible. Unfortunately, I um, didn't have the best investors for me and it ended in a way that I thought for sure I would be able to kind of persevere and and take the business. Um, My operating agreement wasn't in my favor to be able to do that. And so I um, ended up walking away from my company. Um, (laughs) And so that was another, I mean, now telling you all my stories, I'm like, whoa, it's like, what's that song? I get knocked down and I get up again. <laughs> um, yeah, like, and, just try me because I actually thrive in these situations. Yeah. And so that I had, that was like, literally, probably the hardest experience I've ever had in my whole entire life. And um, that carried a lot of shame as well. But what it also taught me was it gave me a lot of strength because when I, you know, decided to walk away, the reason why I decided to walk away is not because I'm a quitter, but because it wasn't serving my heart and my body and I wasn't well, you know, I, I, I wasn't. And I was like, you know, I, I, I'm still so new in this space that I can't imagine the next 10 years of my life suffering like this and not being in a good headspace. So I'm going to get ahead of this and I'm going to do it again. And so since I left, um, you know, it was really a a big moment for me because I had so many people reaching out to me. I had, you know, Sephora was like 
if you're not there anymore, we are not going to carry the brand. Call us yeah. when, call us when you're, you know, work on your next wow. project. And yeah. so I felt really kind of like, oh, okay, like people care about what I'm doing. And so since then, I've been working on another brand, and it's taken me three years, but I'll be um, launching that this year in August. And oh, that's so soon! I'm so excited. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and I will actually be exclusively in Sephora. So it's all happening really, really tea soon. Is tea. Yeah. How do you like constantly put, and I think this is a difficult challenge from a lot of people. So I'm sure we can learn something from, from this is how do you constantly put yourself out again, like over and over again, when you go through these challenging situations, like to just like get back up and not be defeated by your circumstance? I think there's two parts. I mean, definitely one part is that I think, you know, definitely there's hardship. I mean, even I remember, you know, getting divorced the second time, that wasn't like a pleasant divorce. Like my ex and his sister that's on the housewives was, (laughs) they were not kind to me. It was not like a pleasant experience. And it was always like, okay, instead of playing games here, like my biggest revenge is going to be my success you know and you know same with these investors who have also not been cool you're such an Aries Um, yeah and have rewritten Rowan's history um which is like insane if you ever go check it out but I have had to really bite my tongue a lot and you know sit back and again it's like well my success is my greatest revenge and also I'm just not done yet. Like, I just feel like I have a lot to give. But in those moments, I think my other strength has been thinking like, well, what's, what's rock bottom? Like, what's the worst thing that can happen? You know, and I think as humans, we think about survival mode, right? Like, it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, having a roof over my head, having, you know, food to eat. And I think I've always thought, you know, if it gets to that place, I have a family that loves me. I have friends that love me, like I'll figure it out. And Mm -hmm. I can, I can get a job doing anything. Like I can, you know, sell hot dogs or I can, you know, work at Nordstrom or I can, there's Mm -hmm. always going to be something for me to do. So it's worth me trying because I know that I can still survive like what I would consider rock bottom and we're fortunate enough in the place that we live that that's our reality you know and I know that that's not the case for everybody but um that's definitely been helpful and then my drive for successful revenge you know (laughs) successful revenge is truly the best karma like that's why I always believe in never responding or reacting because you what the universe has in store is so much better. It's like, I don't even need to stoop. Like, I don't even need to react. I don't even need to say this to you or like, uh, it's just like, just watch. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I also think that in bad breakups or in bad, you know, whatever type of breakup, your, your silence is your biggest strength because it's just something that- I'm scared of you. I'm scared and equally turned on. Like, I'm terrified and turned on simultaneously. <laughs> oh my God, it's so good. Yeah, nothing is like, nothing is spicier than just you sitting back and not saying anything because that makes you crazy. No, like, not having a reaction real. out of someone makes you crazy. People want react because the thing is, we know how to respond to reactivity. So it's like when you don't, that's scary. You're like, oh, what? Now I don't actually, I can't even guess where this is going. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, I think, like, that's such a business power move, right? It's like, you know what? Take it. Like, take the business. Take, like, I have a, a, you want to steal this one idea? I have a million good ideas. Like, it doesn't stop here. And, like, I just will know how to do it bigger and better this time because I already did it once. Yeah. And that was the biggest lesson too, is like, that was my crash course in business and in creating a product. And so I feel like this time around, it's been like the muscle memory, things are flowing and happening in a much better way. And I have much better connections now. And, 
And, you know, I used to also feel shame around like talking to investors being like, oh, they're not going to like me because I failed with my last company. But it's the opposite because they're actually like, okay, she's, she knows she's done it before. Yeah. Back here again, going for it. And so that actually is, is a power, you know? And so, and I think that people also, they love a comeback, right? Like they love, so yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting. I mean, it's definitely like some days I'm, I'm like, I feel like I'm, I feel like Rowan was my first baby and this new company is my second. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm pregnant again. Like, I can't believe I'm doing this because it's a Mm -hmm. lot. But I just have to remind myself, like, it's like one day at a time, like hour by hour, like you, you just have to keep going. And, you know, I'm building that spider web again. So, yeah. You're the comeback queen. Yeah, comeback queen. You're a New York City rat. And I mean, and it's a compliment. You know, when she's like, the rats don't run this city. I'm like, they kind of do because they survive everything. These rats just never die. Yep. They are surviving in the freezing cold in the midst of winter in the, in the subway station. Like, they actually do run the city. 100%. Yeah. Is there anything that you feel like in your industry people – like don't get uh, uh, like anything that happens where you're like you know what that's so far from the case like in beauty or in business even in like something as simple as makeup like glam um I think it's interesting because I think that you know I've worked for in the beauty industry for 20 years I think that there's some stuff that's coming out I think when I first did my first brand, I was a little bit, it was almost like I saw the Wizard of Oz. Like I was a little disappointed because I, I thought that everyone approached um, creating makeup like I did. And I'm such an innovator and I am a big, you know, why person or this has to be something that doesn't exist or it has to kind of fill a space that doesn't exist. And you just realize that a lot of it is, you know, great marketing, everyone going to the same trade shows and kind of picking up the next. It's like kind of why you see that, you know, you'll notice that a lot of brands are all launching a similar product around the same time. And -hmm. people like call that dupe, but it's truthfully, it's probably just everyone's at the same trade show. and And there's definitely some cool innovations, but it's kind of like, it doesn't come with I guess a lot of thought or purpose or it's like kind of like, okay, what's the Pantone color of the year? Okay. Let's make something because it's the Pantone color of the year. So I think that that was like a big aha moment for me. And I'm not saying that that's how every brand is, but there definitely are a lot of things happening. Um, But I think also it makes you appreciate like the, the process of making anything. I mean, I'm sure you feel that way seeing that with your husband and creating his, his shoe brand like there's a, so much that goes into producing something that you mm-hmm. just don't take it for granted and I think for everybody anything that you consume you should just appreciate a little bit more because it came from some from you know there's so much involved to get a lip gloss or you know anything really I mean um, it's funny too because we live in a cyclical world so it's like it's always like, what's next? And like, mm-hmm. even as someone who like, as an artist, like I make music that doesn't, like I don't tour or perform, but like it does get used in like syncs and production and people are always mm-hmm. like, what's the next project? What's next? It's like, do you know how long it actually takes to make something? Yeah. Do you know how long it actually takes to like put out something worthwhile that people will respond to that's not something that's already out? Like, you know? Do you yeah. know how long that takes? Because uh, if you did, you wouldn't ask me what's next. No, I mean, no, you always ask what's next, but. Yeah, no, it's yeah. a lot of like blood, sweat and tears. And I think that's the same even in my other part of my career in like artistry, you know, working for a lot of like celebrity and red carpet and events, you know, it's, there's also a lot behind the scenes of, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty political, like based mm-hmm. on who you know, who your agent or agency is, relationships. Um, and it's, it's positive and negative. It's, it's not just based on like, okay, this person is 
the the best artist or this person is the best no. at this. Like there's Mm-mm. so many, and I, I know it's the same for you and what you do. And so you kind of have to just have thick skin and acceptance around that too. And, and everyone has their different moments. Like it will never be consistent. There's always like, you can be riding high for a season or for a while. And then, you know, people's, people's jobs change or like things change and then you're maybe not that person anymore and it's just you really kind of have to have a lot of acceptance around it but it can also like like even to this day if I'm not working for an award show I like I tell my boyfriend I'm like okay today you might want to kind of steer clear of me because I know I'm going to be in a bad mood (laughs) yeah (laughs) listen at least you know yourself and you're like Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. it's normal for me to feel this way because I have high expectations of myself, but also I can't do everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny when the Nepo baby discourse came out and every, my surprise was everyone was like, can you believe this? I'm like, how can you not believe? Like to me, that was just such a normalized thing in our industry. I'm like, duh. Yeah. I I'm surprised about that too, because you better believe like, even with my best friend, her daughter's like six. And I want to have a girl, obviously. And I'm like, I'm like, Sari, we're going to train them young. I'm like, let's get Elodie like doing, I'm going to teach her how to do makeup right now. She Mm -hmm. can start assisting me when she's 13. And we're going to have a phenomenon that by the time she's 18, she's (laughs) going to be like, like, so naturally, of course, that's going to happen because like, that's Mm -hmm. what you're around. And that's what you care about. And like, I would love it if my kid was like, wanted to come and be my assistant and like become the next big artist. totally and not not only that it's like of course you would give your kid access to everything like why would you not isn't that not why you have kids so people being like can you believe that I'm like of course I believe that like what else would be the case here um like I'm surprised you're surprised or the other one actually it's funny in music is we just saw it with the Super Bowl was people were like Rihanna was lip syncing I'm like I hate to break this to about the music industry. Every single live show you see is in some way performed to a track. And like, it's funny when you work in these like behind the scenes industries where people don't actually fully understand the scope of what's happening. Mm -hmm. Because like for you to say that just tells me you really have no idea. Like you just don't. Like even if you go see a rock band, Muse have members who play off the stage. Like, it's not about, like, it's not what you, it's not as black and white or what you, like, see. A hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think, too, for, you know, my industry as artists, what people don't realize, because it looks very glamorous, right? Like, we're in, like, Paris for Fashion Week or Mm -hmm. New York or, like, going all these places most of the time as an artist, we have to be local wherever, mm-hmm. wherever we're traveling. So if I go to Paris Fashion Week, I'm buying my flight, I'm buying my hotel in the hopes that I'll book jobs while I'm there. And there's no mm-hmm. guarantees. And I think that it just looks like it's like everything is like, woo. And it's scary, you know, like even going and being like, it's a risk. Yeah. It's like, oh, I hope that like, this pans out the way that I think it is and it doesn't always pan out that way so you definitely all of it you just have to have like really tough skin and enjoy it but that's also why I think for me I don't just do one job like that's why I'm starting my new brand again why I get to work with other incredible makeup lines and you know do my artistry is because then it's kind of this nice synergy where like if I were just doing one thing I would probably lose my mind for like, sure. Yeah. yeah. I feel, And yeah. also I think it creates this really unstable, like you would grow to resent. Oh, I know personally I would resent yeah. it because if every single egg of mine is in one basket and like for whatever reason I had a bad month and it wasn't working out for me, bad two months, I would never want to get to the point where it's like I hate this now because you've yeah. like stressed me out and caused me so much anxiety. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's such a smart way to approach it. Yeah, like I need I need the variety of all of it. Like I need to be touching people's faces and like creating and doing art. But then I also couldn't imagine that being the rest of my life, like chasing that lifestyle because it is unstable. 
so yeah, it's just a balance of all of it. And I'm lucky that I have an industry that I can really kind of have a lot of variety um, to keep me sane. What's <laughs> sane? So subjective. Yeah. What's yeah. like an unhinged hot take that people don't know about you? Well, I think you guys learned a lot today. Right? We did. <laughs> um, <laughs> we really, I did. And I know so I'm much like, about you. I'm like, silence is the killer. Um, <laughs> I don't I think honestly probably like I'm really into sports I'm not I don't play sports but I'm Mm -hmm. really into sports and I think you and I share the love for Formula One Mm -hmm. Um, I I literally like right now there's not anything on on Sundays like football's over basketball hasn't really gotten like it's not really happening for me right now and so I need sports in my life I'm a fan (laughs) Um, I've taken up, um, dirt biking, skiing, um, I know every weekend there's a new activity. I'm like, surely those, the insurance on those hands must be extremely high, whatever. Yes. 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 And, and luckily (laughs) I'm in, I'm in a relationship where that is something that we do together. And, and I think that I'm lucky that I found someone that that is like a commonality that we have. Um, and he's, I mean, trust me, it's not like I knew how to dirt bike before him, but it's a passion of his and I would go and watch him and I'm like, I think I want to try it. So I'm sure he loves that. Yeah. The one thing I won't do is surf. Um, because I, number one, I think it's an, uh, I don't get it. I don't understand why you would want to be on a board just to fall over into the ocean over and over and over again. And then number two for my vanity, because I can't be in the sun like that. Okay. That's, that's like the, that's the ager. That's the skin killer is the sun. That's so, the one thing I'm dying to do once the belly's gone. Sir? I'm not that. Yeah. I mean, like, am I great? No, but like, do I have a lot of fun doing it? Yeah. Like, do I catch that many waves? No, but the it's exhilarating feeling of just I just like being in the water actually yeah and you're a water girl I am not mm-hmm. like I am like I do not feel good in the water I'll I'll take the Cayman Island water any day of the week because it's crystal clear and I can see the bottom but the ocean like no I can't do it it's too scary for me um and it's hard and it is hard it's really yeah. hard and challenging and like it's so humbling like the ocean is our I think one of our biggest teachers in the universe. Like you, it will humble the shit out of you. Mm -hmm. One like last question before you wrap, because I always see like viral products on TikTok where like everyone's like, this is the one and then you can't get your hands on it. So I want like an unhinged exclusive first. Like what are the products we need in our life that we might not necessarily know about? I know you know. Give it to us. Well, I mean, it's going to be the four that I am launching with, um, but I use it every <laughs> single day. So Great you have to wait question. on those. Great answer. I, I do think I really love the new Tower 28 mascara. Um, okay. If you haven't oh. used that, like that, that one is. I've tried wow. the like tinted moisturizer, but now I'm going to have to try that. The mascara is phenomenal. So definitely that. I'm trying to look over at, like right now to see like what. You put I'm... me onto Allies of Skin, which has changed my life. Yeah, Allies of Skin, Ride or Die, every day yep. of the week. Um, I really, I mean, I can tell you on TikTok a lot of things that are viral that shouldn't be, but. Um, <laughs> tell me one of them. I just think it's fun. I think like everyone with the, the. Charlotte Tilbury like the highlighting wand and like mm-hmm. the blushes like they're not they're they're fine there's better they're, there's nothing special like it's fine okay so um, what's better than that mm-hmm. well you're just gonna have to wait and see mm-hmm. <laughs> you are terrifying you're terrifying I know I know <laughs> I do In the hottest that, way possible. Yeah. I do think that Charlotte Tilbury's Pillow Talk lip liners do live up to their, um, you know, to the iconic nude and the Pillow Talk lip cheat. Those lip liners, like, are fantastic. So I'll there give her that. There you go. I'll there give her that. Go. But, it, like, the, the other ones, I'm like, mm, it's fine. And if you want more of Nikki's hot takes, you can find her at at Nikki DeRoast on everything. 
I love the range because you cater to like the non-beauty plebs like me because you'll go to like Sephora and do like a haul of stuff you actually bought with your own money, not like gifted product. Or you'll like go do like a drugstore eye, which I truly appreciate because I think sometimes this world can be extremely unaccessible to like a normal person who doesn't have like a skill set or access to certain things. So highly recommend. And we're so excited to see what happens in August. Yes. Thank you. And thanks for, I felt like I just rambled on about myself for an hour. So thank you. I mean, that's why I had you. Um, (laughs) If you love this episode, because why would you not? We've put you onto so many incredible things. Leave us a loving review and we will be back next week with more. Ciao for now. Ciao for now.